and then success criteria in order for it to be a success. That allowed me to then to be able to come up with the uh, program director position and also the requirements inside of that position. Does that kind of make sense? Totally makes sense, without a doubt. I, so, I, I love it. For over 260 episodes, Dwayne Brummett and Ali Albarigo have been sharing how to take your martial arts school to the next level. Welcome to another edition of SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Now here's your host, Dwayne and Allie. Hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Good morning, sir. Nice to be with you. Good morning to you as well. How's it going over there? How's your weather, by the way, over in, in Illinois? Uh, well, it's 14 now, but it was, you know, obviously below zero and stuff earlier, uh, you know. But wow. you guys you guys uh, always get it right after us, I think. Yeah, and we've had some pretty uh, decent storms, snowstorms come in. So, I mean, it, last year was pretty mild, but this year is actually um, a little bit worse. I mean, nothing major. I mean, listen, it's wintertime, right? You know, we got to, you know, it's like the summer. Don't complain because it's hot because it's summertime. That's why we have air. Like, my mom came up from Florida. And she's like, it's so cold. I go, Mom, we're not making you sit out on the deck in 20-degree weather. You're in the house. It's the same temperature all year long, whether it's summer or, or winter, right? So it's funny how people react to certain things. But, yeah, it's been pretty – the snow's been coming down. So, yeah, so today uh, – and you know what? I, I figured I, I need to come up with a better intro. Like, hey, it's Dwayne Brendan, Alley Alberto. It's going to be talking about – you know, and yeah. then I'm like, good morning, you know. Maybe I should come yeah. up with something better. I don't know, but that's just you, you know, got to you got to write it out. You got to think about it. You should have your program have hire a program manager and have them come up with something. <laughs> well, that's what we're gonna do, right? Uh, and by yeah. the way, by the way, uh, did you get your book? Have you been uh, reading your Atomic Habits? I, I did. Book? I haven't. I haven't started reading it yet, but I better. But uh, but I ordered it okay. and I have it downloaded. I have it downloaded, so that's great. Okay. So, All right. So so. We talked about um, – well, by the way, tell everyone that book is so they can, they can look at it again. It's Atomic Habits, right? Is that – Yeah. Is it, yeah. James Clear, which is kind of funny. Uh, he's getting clear on habits. But uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits, you know, the tiny changes, remarkable results. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it, kind of the concept of uh, what big – uh, small hinges swing big doors, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't want to give away the book. Yeah, I like that we're doing this because I have to be honest, I'm not in the, I'm not in the, I haven't been, I'm getting better, but I've been, most of my reading has been escapism um, reading. Like, you know, my my good friend happens to be an author and he writes like these really cool vampire, space age, ninja, um, and Dracula books. So I've been reading a lot of his stuff. He's a great martial artist. His name is Mike Eward. If people like that kind of thing, check him out on Amazon. Um, but, uh, so I've been using, cause I find like, I don't know about you doing, like if I read something like this book before bed, I'm up all night or in my mind, I'm running like, you know, changing, firing people, hiring people, changing systems. Like my brain works in such a way where it's always on. So I try to escape into something. So my brain, at least I'm fighting vampires in my dream rather than being stressed over you know, a business situation. So that's kind of weird for me. I have to be real careful what I read before I go to sleep. But um, but these books are motivational. They, people, people, if you're a new school owner or you're um, looking to improve or whatever the case may be, you have to read. You, 
got to, and if you can't read and you hate reading, listen to audio books and listen to them a few times through, but uh, do not just sit idle. You know, our blogs are great to listen to and others of that same style, but we really need to do, you need to do something. Well, you know, uh, the input is going to uh, basically equal your output. So if you're only inputting the same stuff over and over and over again, you, your output is going to be the exact same. So if you're not putting in new information, then uh, you, you, you are expecting the same results, and that's what the definition of insanity, right? So, uh, yeah. so that, that's going to be highly important. I would say make an appointment with yourself. Make an appointment with yourself right, right, right. for Definitely. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is, and then nobody gets in the way of that appointment because, if, 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 like, right now we made an appointment to do this podcast. I know yeah. from this time to this time we've got, we've got the podcast. I also have an appointment with myself after the podcast uh, to render everything and get it all up so that people can actually uh-huh. listen to it if they weren't on it live. And so I made right. two appointments with myself. One is to actually do the podcast. Two is to render it and get it all done and, and, and out there so, you know, so that everybody else can listen to it. But yeah. that would not get done if I didn't make an appointment with myself. And so the same thing applies with regards to your reading. Uh, you know, look, I would say do it first thing in the morning or somewhere around after your morning routines or your workout yeah. routine or whatever it is, do it. Because once the day hits, you and I both know that you ain't going to get it. You're not going to do it. Yeah, and you know what? You, I always tell people, like, you know, we hear this all the time as school owners, you know, hey, listen, I'm going to – I'm gonna once I lose weight, I'm going to come and join your school. Or once I find the time, and I always say to people, oh, where have you been? I haven't been able to make it. I'm like, you can't find the time. You have to make the time. You have to literally etch it out of your schedule and say, you know, hey, listen, no matter what I'm doing, i got to get ready at 3.30 to get to my 4 o'clock class, right? It's just that's the way it is, and if you set it up that way – you're going to be able to achieve way more than you ever thought to you'd be able to achieve. So um, I think that that's, you know, that's the way to go. And and so many people just don't discipline themselves uh, to have a routine. You know, they're whimsical, right? They wake up and whatever happens, happens. You know, I like to read when the minute I wake up. So I set my clock 15 minutes early. And even if it's just 15 minutes, I'll wake up, you know, adjust my eyes and then start reading. And that's how I get out of bed almost every single day is by reading the, a book or the news or some sort of trade thing or whatever. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, all right. So based upon the, the, the book last month, and we're not talking about books today, but based upon the book last month, who, not how, and if you missed that, go, go back and watch that podcast. Cause we did that on the, on the third of, of, yeah. uh, of this month. But, uh, and I think it's episode 266, but um, yeah. based upon that book, who, not how, the concept is to start getting who's in your life to do the hows rather than you always having to do the hows. So that being said, I was going, you know what, I need a program director. I need an assistant, uh, someone in the office to, to, to do those things, someone to contact the people. There's so many things that are falling through the cracks, even though we have an amazing software, uh, you know, a physical phone call is not going to happen on its own. Yeah. A physical get well card is not going to happen on its own. A physical birthday card is not going to happen on its own. Some of those yeah. things have to be done by a human being. And, uh, yeah. so, uh, and, and then, you know, conversations back and forth, face to face. They don't happen via text. They don't happen by right. email. There has to be a body in the seat at the studio in order to do that. And I have been that body since COVID. And yeah. don't get me wrong, Spark Membership has been an amazing software for me 
to be able to do everything that we did virtually and to keep up on everybody to a certain degree. Um, but there's only so many hours in the day. And to be quite frank with you, I love my clients. I am horrible, horrible about following up. Things that the follow-up does not excite me. Right. Right. It should. It should. I care, but it does. It, creating a phenomenal class, uh, creating a new uh, automation that offers X, Y, and Z. And I don't mean even selling. I just mean in addition to what you know maybe our program already has. Now we're going to add this to it. See those yeah. type of things, those creative things, they excite me. They motivate yeah. me. They are who I am. Yeah. And so the things that need to get done that I I hate doing, I need a who, and I'm going to hire a program director. So what I went through, based upon the book, is I went through and I filled out an impact filter on that position. So, again, real right. briefly, you know, the, the project or whether I'm focusing on the purpose of it, the, the importance of it, the ideal outcome, and then selling myself on it. What are the best results? you know, about having this? What are the worst results if I don't, you know, have this uh, position, somebody in that position? And then success criteria in order for it to be a success. That allowed me to then to be able to come up with the uh, program director position and also the requirements inside of that position. Does that kind of make sense? Totally makes sense, without a doubt. I, so, I, I love it. So we have to be clear on what the position is, and really, you know, maybe even back out of that, we've got to be clear on what our studio is and what it represents with regards to um, how we service our customer and, and you know, our why as a, as a service. And then we can plug in the program director into that why. Like, like their purpose has to match our our why, the reason that we're in business. And so if it doesn't, and or I don't explain it well enough so that when they read the, the, the program director position requirements, they you know, they may apply and they may look good on paper but not be the right person because we just don't align with our mm -hmm. uh, beliefs with regards to the studio, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Absolutely, without a doubt. And so uh, I would say, you know, the very first thing in order to hire somebody is be clear on what your studio represents and the type of atmosphere that you want for your studio. And then you can create, because really, it's really easy, I think, to come up with the job responsibility slash description for what that position holds. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that's probably the easier part than, than finding out, you know, like dialing in the why of your school? Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it really all depends on what stage I would assume that each school owner that's listening now is at, because some of them already kind of have a good grasp of what they're doing, right? And they know who they are. Um, and now they're trying to fill a position um, to be able to produce more of who they are or more, more people that fit into that model. But I do think there's a good portion of people that are like, hey, I'm I'm at this stage now that I can finally, I'm making enough money that I can hire someone or, or I'm at this stage where I'm going to take a little bit of a tipping leap. point. A, yeah. At the tipping point where I hire someone and then they're going to make me more money to be able to afford them and, and profit on top of that. There's always that sometimes that tipping point or a leap of faith 
where you take that chance, maybe even as an owner, you take a little bit of a hit to be able to add people to your team so that eventually you'll grow your team. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that that is, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a leap of faith um, in order to, you know, come up with, uh, with, with the money in your head, uh, you know, when it right. isn't there maybe on paper. Um, you know, so let's kind of cover that real quickly. Um, you know, one of the ways that you can take care of that is, you know, having a, uh, an hourly uh, rate, you know, based upon what your, what your state allows you to do. Um, but it, right. I would say if you really want somebody that's really, really good, you're going to have to bump it up a few dollars from the regular rate. You know, so if it were $10 an hour, you probably need to put it at 13 You know, if it's 11 or 12 you probably need to put it at $15 an hour. You know, that type of thing. It needs to be above uh, and, yeah. and, and, but you don't have to start out that way. It could be that, you know, you're going to start out at minimum wage and then, you know, three months after a review, then you could get a 50 cent raise and then another three months. So maybe within a year, they bump up to, you know, from, from uh, 13 all the way to 15 in one year. And that's kind of built in. So that's one way that you can do it uh, in order to not break the bank in the beginning and make sure they are the right person along the way. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, well, structurally, financially, that's always a big question, right? School owners, like, what do I pay someone? You would think that people are always chasing money when it's been proven over and over again that money is not the end-all decision for people to take on a job, right? So, And people don't stay at jobs just because the money is great. Um, So... What I always say is don't just throw money at people. So let, let's say, you know, it's $15 an hour is the minimum wage in your town um, or state, which they're pushing for that to be the minimum wage, which to me um, is it's not a huge amount of money, but it also hurts businesses that are struggling to maybe hire a new employee because they're like, okay, let's just say uh, 10, 10 hours a week at $115 an hour, um, you're going to end up paying $220 on Right? Is my math correct? Fifteen dollars an hour, ten hours, two twenty. Well, that's, oh, that's 15. Okay, well, fifteen okay. an hour. Fifteen an hour times ten is two hundred and twenty dollars in payroll. Yes, yes. I thought you said one hundred and fifteen dollars an hour, and I was like, what? No, no, no. But but here, listen to me again. Most people are probably saying, Ali, your math is way off. Fifteen dollars times ten is one fifty, and I just said two twenty. But what people don't realize is you have to then, once you hire an employee, you're paying payroll taxes, FICA, Social Security, Social Security. Um, payroll insurance, unemployment insurance, and all of this stuff that goes along with it. So so we're not paying $15 an hour. We're actually paying more like $17 or $18 an hour. So when a, when a state mandatorily just bumps up a payroll on, on companies and says you have to pay all your people $15, that puts massive stress on companies that sometimes makes them fire people or make more people part-time or puts them out of business. So just be careful that you don't chase it with the highest end money. But there are different ways to structure pay. Like, you know, you could give them, if if your your, uh, minimum wage is 13 an hour, um, you can maybe pay them 13, but give them bonuses and commissions based on productivity. And that gives them incentive to maybe do better, sell more upgrades, sign up more people, um, sell more gear, you know, and it gives them a chance to kind of name their payroll, 
right? And we're happy. Like, hey, sign me up 20 people. Like, I once had a lady. You've heard this story. She was a program manager. She came to me with a blank sheet of paper. She's like, here you go. Here's, here's my commissions for the month. You're going to be happy about that. And I'm like, uh, there's nothing on here. Zero dollars. She's like, yeah, you don't have to pay me anything. And I'm still happy to work for you. And I'm like, yeah, well, this is your last day. And, and she's like, what? And I'm going, that exact attitude of you thinking that I'd rather you not make money and you not sell, sit around on your butt and not do anything, shows me that you're not the program manager. So I got rid of her. And literally, it was one of my first and quickest hires and fires after a month um, because, uh, to me, it meant that they weren't doing their job. So anyway, yeah. so back to you, Dwayne. No, I, I, I totally agree. So that's one way to structure the pay. The other thing is, uh, like you had brought up, uh, the the bonuses and commissions and you know let's quickly just kind of cover those you know one one of them like you said could be upgrades they could get a bonus or a commission on, on yeah. upgrade another one is actually signing people up you know or mm -hmm. if they are selling a second uh, set of uniform you know rather than just getting the first one sold when when they when the person enrolls but maybe upgrading them to a second uniform or better yet upgrading them to you know the heavyweight uniform instead of the yeah. Uh, you know, the middleweight or the, the lightweight uniform, those type of things. So you can get creative yeah. with that and show them that, uh, you know, these are the other opportunities to make more money on top of the, the, the hourly wage that you are, uh, that you are creating. It, what, yeah. what other, what other ones? Well, the hourly wage is kind of, you could look at their hourly pay as, you know, doing what they need to do, whether it be, like you said, sending out the birthday cards, sending out the uh, welcome to the families, whatever, those the, the average stuff that they do on a DA, DA, uh, DNA sheet, the daily necessary activities. But, um, but then the above and beyond bonus structure could be like, for example, I just pulled up one of my offer letters to a program manager. So um, the commissions were like for, for new members, let me slide it over so I'm looking in the camera. So for a new member, um, that joined my three-month program, they would get a $15 commission. If a new member joined a one-year program, basic, they'd get a $15 commission. If they join our Black Belt Club, they would get a $25 commission. And if they were in our Masters Elite program, they'd get a $40 commission. Now, um, I also had an upgrade structure. So if they took a person from a basic membership to a Black Belt Club, there were different fees. So like from a basic membership to Masters Elite, they would get 25 on top of the initial commission. So um, I was very careful to make sure I wasn't paying double, like so that people didn't game the system, because I've made those mistakes where they go, oh, I get $15 to sign them up for three months. But then if I upgrade them to a year, I'll get another 20 And if I upgrade them to the Black Belt Club, so they would follow these sequential things to maximize their commission structure. So I had to be real careful that no matter what it was, that they only ended up getting the same price at the end of the day. Um, but but I had some lucrative, you know, lucrative commissions, $50 if they got someone into leadership team. And um, my average program manager at the time was probably making an additional $700 to $800 if they were doing their job well on top of their paycheck as bonus structures for, in essence, for doing the job they were supposed to do that we hired them right. for. Right? Yep. Yep. So um, that's kind of the, 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 the pay structure. What – Let's kind of go over um, the the temperament, the mentality, the personality of that individual that needs to be in that role based upon uh, some of the job responsibilities. So maybe we, we kind of talk about the job responsibilities first and then the type of person second. How does that sound? Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I, 
I let me just see like what the traits were. Like I had a PDF I just pulled up. Let me find it here on on my sheet. Okay. And, so like and while I you're have, doing that, job is I'm gonna say job responsibilities um, are you know their data entry. Right. But if we're gonna call them a program director, they're in uh, you know they're in direct relations in relationship to the uh, the students and uh, potential right. students. Right, and so they are yeah. the liaison from the public uh, to the business. They are the liaison mm -hmm. to our own clients to the business. They are the yeah. go-between in most cases between you know the the student and maybe the instructor, but definitely the student and the owner. Sometimes they're not the the same. So you know yeah. th those are some of the the, the uh, job responsibilities that you know there's more, but that's kind of the overhead job responsibility, you know, and then obviously uh, making sure that, uh, you know, all the bills are, are being paid with regards to the, the uh, income from the students, uh, any open invoices following up with those. Uh, and again, we talked about birthday party or birthdays and birthday yeah. parties and, 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 and uh, you know, people that are sick and making private lessons and all those things. But you were gonna yeah. you were gonna say what what are, what's the temperament what's the personality? Well, well, I I again let me be clear. I, I had paid a company that was a human resource hiring firm. Um, at first, they interviewed me, which is kind of interesting because I have this list and it's been for for me uh, with me for uh, 15 years now, and it still rings true. And it probably cost me three or four thousand dollars to go through this process, but. So that the things that they listed that I should start to gauge based on, and they call it the weight of what the responsibility is, like a, um, you know, a one to five or a five to one, five being the best, one being the worst, um, we need to make sure that a program manager is a self-starter. That's the first thing. Um, and then, again, I have these interview questions that I can help you with on as well. But So number one, a self-starter. Um, number two, they have to be personally accountable. Now, by the way, this is what this company came up with after interviewing some of my program managers and interviewing me as an owner and what I'm looking for. Um, they have to be customer-focused, right? So they have to be able to, without a doubt, be able to um, understand that the customer is always right. It's not about them or me. It's about the client, right? Um, they have to have self-management skills because we want to, as an owner, say, you're the program manager. You have to do all this stuff to take it off my plate. So imagine being a self-starter and not being, um, you, know, uh, you know, to be able to manage yourself. It just doesn't make sense. You have to learn those skills. Another one was uh, being big on goal achievement. Like, for example, caring enough to be able to set a goal themselves, not like us always telling them what to do. I've had some program managers, like it's literally like I had to, it's like a student um, and, dude, I, I find this to be so frustrating nowadays, and school owners could probably verify this, is that uh, at times it's brutal. Like, you'll tell a student, fix your horse stance, punch with more snap. And they do it while you're looking at them. The minute you turn around, they're back to doing the crappiest stance, crappiest punch. They, ca they yep. care less. They care less about themselves being great, right? So you can't make someone like them great unless they care enough to do it on their own. By the way, that's the same thing with a program manager. If they don't have goal achievement and they don't come to you and go, hey, listen, I want to make 20 new members this month or I want to do this or do that, it's not ever going to happen. Another one was result-orientated, right, so that they have to care 
that you give them a project and they finish the project or they come up with a project and they finish the project. So they have to be result-driven. And um, they have to have interpersonal skills, being able to deal with you and I as owners. They have to be able to do that. And by the way, I hired a kid. He's probably in his late 20s, 24, somewhere mid-20s. And um, he had the greatest interview. And, like, for the first month or two, he did phenomenal. Then I found out, and this is not a negative, but I found out that he was autistic. Um, and then I started to see traits of the autism, but it was an Asperger's, and it really wasn't perfect for our job because he'd get flustered when too many people asked him questions. If he had too much on his plate, he'd get nasty. He'd always say things like, well, what do you expect me to do? Like he had an attitude. And sometimes I'd say, listen, you better just shut it down right now because I don't want to deal with the attitude. So the hiring process, he, he was a good interviewer. And at that time, maybe he was medicated and things were working well or he had it under control. But once it started to right. o- open up, man, he, I could see he was clearly not the right person for this job based on those questions that I think that are requirements. Does that make sense? Perfectly. You know, I, in my application for program director, it says, caution, don't bother applying if you don't meet these minimum qualifications below. And, right. and it says genuinely, genuinely like people respectful and friendly, maintains accountability, able to take and follow directions, able to take and follow constructive criticism, able to prioritize work and meet deadlines, able to make rational judgments, flexible uh, approach towards work, good organizational and time management skills, pay attention to detail, type at least 65 words a minute, know how to use a computer, can solve problems, and has a high school education or a GED. Like those are the minimum qualifications yeah well that's pretty 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 large right so um you have to be careful because people have a very high opinion of themselves like i i think i'm the greatest in the world you know i'm probably one of the best there ever was at anything that you ever want to put me up against right but that's because we all have this kind of inflated perception of what our capabilities are or what we have potential to do so i'll give you another really cool example um, my ex-wife, my daughter's mom, my best, one of my best friends, um, uh, she works for a, a very big high-tech multi-million dollar uh, top, you know, 100 company, and she's their HR person. She finds and has to hire and fire, so she hires people and two months later finds out that their entire resume and interview was falsified. Like, and I mean, like, basic skills, like, do you know how to operate Word? Excel spreadsheets, yes, yes, and yes, I'm great at that. And then they find out, like, they don't know how to do it. They lie through their teeth because they're masters at the interview. Um, and they know what you're going to ask. Like, are you a good people person? I love people. And then when you meet them and you see them interacting, you're like, you are a terrible person with people. You're, you're nasty. You're not patient. You don't smile. You don't go out from – I once had a program manager who wouldn't even leave behind the desk. I, I always want them to go out and say, hey, Dwayne, how you doing? How's your son doing? Like, she never leave the desk. Only if someone comes up, she would raise their head, her head. Never communicate and never talk. People were afraid of her. They wouldn't even go near her. Um, and uh, she aced the interview and seemed really friendly and nice. So we have to be really careful. So what else are your thoughts? Do you, do you have, like, you put them through, you had this list, and what if they say yes, and then how do you, do you call them up and yeah. do a phone interview? So do you yeah, have anything so on that? And by the way, I just wrote this down. I'll put this in the in the don't bother applying uh, minimum required, just based upon what you said. Uh, ability to smile and have a cheery disposition. 
I'm going to actually put that in there. <laughs> because, okay. Yeah. Because of what you said. You know, if you're happy, tell your face. That's the that's the thing, right? So, yeah. Um, so I have a form they fill out online. They're going to give me their name. They're going to give me their birth date, gender, address, telephone number, you know, email address, all that stuff. Phone number. Yeah. And then they're going to they're going to list their past work experiences. They're going to mm-hmm. tell me what they uh, liked about their last job or current, depending on what it is, and then what they disliked about their last job or current, whatever it is, and then why might working for you know, TriStar be a good thing for them. Mm-hmm. And then I also ask them, you know, what do you feel you can bring to help TriStar on its mission? You know, our mission is leadership training from day one. And then I yeah. go through and I ask them, uh, you know, the, the, it says here the, the below question should be answered with no duplicate rankings being used because there's five different ones. And so meaning you can't use the number twice. We understand that, you know, all five areas are important, but what's most important? So for them, genuine appreciation, pride in work, fair pay, healthy right. environment, or uh, personal growth. And so I want them to give me what's the most important to them and the least important to them. Now, all of them can be fives, obviously, but we don't allow them to do fives because I want them to, you know, I want, I want to know where their priorities are, right? As long right. as they're telling me the truth. Right. And then yeah. the next piece is right underneath that, I have the words. It says, type in the below box, blue bird, and then click submit. So okay. that's my first hurdle. If somebody submits this application, and, and, and by the way, it's via a Spark uh, survey form. If somebody submits this application without putting blue bird, I don't even go any further with them because they can't follow directions. Yeah. All right? Even though it's stupid, has nothing to do with martial arts, doesn't matter, I need them to follow directions. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally so does. the next I, thing that happens. You're making them jump through a, bit, a very minor hoop to show that they're detail-orientated and they listen or read what they're supposed to, right? So then after they submit it, the obviously Spark gives them a tag. I have an automation that follows up. And, you know, uh, basically the text message says, hey, you know, thanks, you know, for your interest in the program director's uh, position. We emailed you um, an email from this specific email. Uh, open it up. You know, basically follow, follow the directions, that type of thing. So all it says is inside the email, it says, thank you for your interest in the program director position at TriStar Martial Arts Academy. We will review your submission and be in contact with you. In the meantime, please email us your resume. Put in the subject line, pink elephant. That's my next trick. Right. Because if they will not put in the words pink elephant in the subject line, they don't go to the next step. Make sense? Totally does, yeah. So for those that do, I see that they put pink elephant in. I look at their resume. Then I tag them a specific tag that gives them another text message that says, hey, thanks for your resume. Please take a look in your email. And then that next email just basically says, hey, thanks for sending me your resume. While I review it, please call the number below, record the following script, and when you're done, hang up the phone. And I give them the number, and it's my Google Voice number. I never answer that number. It always goes to voicemail. Mm-hmm. And then it just says, you know, 
uh, and it, I actually have it populated with their name, but it would say, hello, this is Dwayne Brummett. From, let's say I'm applying for the job, right? It would say, hello, right, right. this is Dwayne Brummett from TriStar Martial Arts Academy. I was calling because Julie was at a birthday party last Saturday, and I was, I was hoping that she had a good time. Uh, and also to inform you that because Julie came to the birthday party, she's entitled to one month free of our karate program plus a free uniform. Not sure if you've ever thought about martial arts or karate for Julie, but – if you have, please give me a call back. I'd love to set her up with a free trial. Our number here at, the, at TriStar is 815-932-5425. That's 815-932-5425. Thanks, and have a great day. So they record that, and then I'm able to listen to it. Um, and so that's the next hurdle. If I like if I like it, right, then I'll, I'll tag them and give them the next thing. So they'll get a uh, text message that just says, hey, thanks for your voicemail. Please check your email. And then that next email, sounds like a lot that's happening here, right? But that next email uh, sends them, say, hey, thanks for your voice recording. Uh, next, I'd like to schedule a 15-minute interview. Please, let, please use the link below to access my schedule and schedule a time to do that. And then there's a link. It goes to, uh, and I use Calendly uh, for this, but it goes to my Calendly link, and it gives them the, uh, um, you know, the option to pick whatever day, whatever time, in 15-minute increments that works best for them, could care less. But the hurdle is they have to call me at that time. So if they call me, you know, look, if they call me a minute early, I'd be good. If they call me on time, that's great. If they call me a minute late or two minutes late or five minutes late, I don't even pick up the phone. Right. That's the next hurdle. So after we've done all of that, and that, that interview, that phone interview, um, I have questions that I ask, and I go through the questionnaire. From there, if I like them, then I'll schedule a time for them to come into the studio, especially if they've never been there before. And then from that, they are going to do a – I've got a, a typing test that they've got to do with a time typing test. Uh, we go through uh, Word, Excel, and some of the other stuff that we uh, use, and, and, and I, you know, show them, uh, make sure that they know how to use it. i got a test that they do with regards to some of those things, and then I'll make my de final decision based upon the individuals that actually make it that far. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it sounds like a lot, though. It sounds to me like, you know, very thorough. I almost can, as each step that you put in, I kind of almost – envision people dropping off like I remember like program managers getting them to just show up for an interview um, you know I I do uh, I do a, a phone interview and then I would set up a personal interview and I would say 20% of the people would show up for the actual in-person interview and then I've even hired people where they were good to go, gave them an employment letter, they signed it, and on their first day of work, they never showed. And I'm, I call them up. I'm like, I'm waiting for you. They're like, yeah, we decided. I decided not to do it. Not a phone call, not a, not a letter, not an email. Um, you know, I would even say to people, listen, we're going to set up this in-person interview. Um, things do come up. You know, if they do, just simply text me a half an hour, an hour before, and we'll reschedule. Um, but I, I said, but please don't just not show up. Would you do me that favor, Dwayne? Don't just disappear and not call. Yeah, of course. I would never do that. 80% of the people would do that. They wouldn't even show. So I'd be sitting with 10 interviews and maybe one of them, you know, I'd set up the whole day waiting for people. 
and one would maybe show. It was amazing. Um, so uh, quite interesting. Uh, yeah, do you have more? I wanted to give you a few of the questions that I asked that were kind of interesting because um, it, it, again, comes from this hiring firm, and uh, they want their concept was uh, it's the 20 most penetrating questions. But if you have more to go, I'll just wait on that. No, I was going to say that I started this process last year, right before COVID. So okay. I put information out. I had about eight or nine people that filled out the information. I only had, I think out of those eight or nine people, maybe three or four that actually made it to a, 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 a phone interview. And then okay. we didn't get to do the physical interview because COVID hit. So I just, so I know the process That's is going to work. But, that's yeah. a pretty good record, though, dude. That's that's awesome. And you know what? You're the entire time, by the way, for the listeners that are hearing everything you're saying, is you're putting little little hoops to jump through, um, little detail detail oriented tasks to show you whether they're going to follow their job and do it right. And then when they eventually get through the hoops and the systems and they set up their appointment, you have weeded out a good majority of the people who are not willing to, uh, you know, they're not going to do it, so they're not worthy of the job. They're not going to be a good employee and so on and so forth. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, I'd like to see the new process when you run it again, how many people you get, and we should track who's going through and who made it to step yeah. one. Um, the blue, what was it, the blue bunny? What, what did you say they have to write? Blue bird. Blue bird. Blue bird. And then the second step, Pink you know, whatever it was. Yeah, pink elephant, and and really get it through because uh, I find it it's so interesting in how people, and, and especially in an age where we're reading and we're so technical, um, how little people pay attention to detail. Like I'll send out a text message just real quick, and I'll say tonight's classes are canceled. Um, it's snowing out, and uh, and myself and Renchi Ryan, my my main guy, we both died in a plane crash, and they'll write back to me and say, "Are there classes tonight?" Like, I'm going, did you not read anything that I just said? So I'm like, what is going on? And, and it's not the majority of people, but I will get five of people that will do something like that because they just glance sure. and, and, you know, writing. So what are you going to say? Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, some of the people that got to the phone call that didn't move any further, I could tell that they got the email, called the number, and just read it. Like, they didn't even practice it because you, right. you heard stuttering. You heard, you know, and look, I'm not a great yeah. reader. If I first read something, I, I am horrible reading it out loud. Yeah. But I, if I knew it was a script, right, I would, I would take some time and practice it and then call, you know. And, yeah. and, I, and by the way, I wouldn't have the kids screaming in the background and all that. Like, I mean, that's yeah. just – you know what I'm saying? I know. I know. It's really about personal detail. Like, I'll give you an example. I, I'm so proud of my daughter. I posted – uh, a thing on Facebook the other day. She's 21. She's already, you know, worked for me her whole life as a, as a, in my martial arts school. Um, she knows I'm a tough boss. Anyway, she's done uh, some work, and she just got hired as an intern for a company called Neural Trend, which is a um, textile fashion company that sets up the trending. So there's a lot of statistical data entry and so on. And, um, Anyway, long story short, her and I were – she wrote a blog post for them yesterday, and they sent it back and said it's way too technical. So, of course, who did she call on? I'm up with her on on FaceTime and doing this with her, and uh, we're figuring out how – because I've written blogs my whole life, and she's like, I'll ask my dad, and he'll help me through it. 
I can't wait to hear how they liked my blog that I helped her write today to see if I could get a job at Neuraltrend. Um, but, uh, but anyway, it's just interesting, her work ethics and how she was so frustrated that they didn't like how she wrote it. And she, she would have stayed up till four in the morning until she got it right. And that's hard to find people with that kind of drive and determination. Well, it is. It is. Well, I was going to say, too, I was going to say, too, that, you know, uh, being clear on the expectations of, you know, what the position holds and, you know, what their job responsibilities are, but then giving them the autonomy to make those decisions, that's where we want to be. And then, you know, inspecting what you expect and giving them the feedback that they need in order to move forward, that's going to be vitally important. So, and then the concept of, you know, do they need to be coached or do they need to be reprimanded you know you gotta you gotta know what the difference is whether this is a coaching opportunity or this is a a, you know a reprimand opportunity it all depends uh you know so those things need to be taken in consideration as well and you know one thing too like you know you may you may want to this is my only suggestion to you is like people will buy into things that they really feel have value and and what we forget sometimes as owners that we believe that we're only interviewing them. Like I learned long ago that people interview me. They may not like my personality. They might not have liked my office. They might not have liked how I presented myself. So when we sat in a face-to-face interview, they leave and they go like, ah, he's a, he's a jerk. I don't want to work for him. You know, and then they leave, right? You know, and they'd never come back or whatever the case may be. So don't forget that we're being interviewed as well. And then the environment, like we want them to see that they're getting a job and they're going to work at a place that they could enjoy. That's why like Google and the Google headquarters and, um, you know, it's such a great environment where all the young techie kids and and young, you know, uh, people want to work there because it's just such a great place to work for the way they set it up, you know. So that's important for, for you. Maybe somehow show them. Uh, what they're going through these hoops for, you know, maybe show them your school or maybe they come in and take a tour or maybe they see a video of a live feed or somehow presenting because we want them also, like we might have a good person and they might have all the qualities, but we didn't sell them on who we are. So then then it only becomes based on salary. So now they're going like, and I'm not going to make all that much money anyway, and they want me to jump through all these hoops. So we have to make sure they understand that there's potential for commission structures and bonuses and vacations and whatever we're going to do. Um, Hey, listen, I've hired some people, um, and uh, I paid them absorbent salaries. Like one of my guys was making 78K a year as an instructor. He worked for 29 hours to 30 hours a week. Um, he He had a company car I bought for him. I paid for his cell phone, and he had a retirement fund and had medical. Um, I mean, there were people, friends of mine that owned schools who would say, fire him and hire me. I'll close my school down and come and work for you. Because they were making, he was making more money than owners were making, um, you know, at the time. But I I have to tell you one thing I do want to point out. I didn't have a better buy-in because he was making all that money. He was a good employee because he loved the dojo. He was also a student. Um, you know, and I've had program managers that also were students, and they loved the environment. They loved the school. They were dedicated to us. So how do we get that buy-in? Um, that's a big deal when it comes to want someone wanting to stay, because you can pay them all the money in the world. If they hate their job, they're not. They're looking for something else all the time. 
Yeah, and that's where uh, that's another thing I'm glad you brought up because that is a can be a, a complication. Is I'm not saying you shouldn't hire from within because most of the time we do hire our instructors, especially from within. Yeah. But hiring a, a, a front desk program manager from within, maybe it's a mom or a dad of the studio, or it's a it's a uh, uh, an instructor, or excuse me, it's a uh, a student. Um, in most cases, if it's a student, it's it, you, they're usually younger. Um, you know, that type of thing. I, I know for yeah. me, uh, I want an older individual. I want yeah. a lifer in that position. I don't want somebody that's going to go off to college and then i got to do this all over mm-hmm. again. But yeah. I, getting an adult in that position, if they are a parent of kids that already go to the program, I think that that's good, but I also think that that could potentially be bad because if you do need to fire them, you potentially could be losing – you know, all all the other yeah. uh, things that go along with that, if that makes sense. It th- totally does. And by the way, I um, I elected later on to always hire outwardly for the program manager job because I didn't want parents who knew other parents to know my inner workings of it and, and kind of twist it to be some demented money-grubbing, um, you know, uh, money-making, McDojo-ish kind of, you know what I mean, all the negative terms that you would get when people say, oh, yeah, he has a system to upgrade. He has a system to sell people into the program. Like, people look at that negatively. So I didn't want a parent in that position that could talk to other parents if things went south, right, you know, and then spill the beans. So that's why I always hired program managers from outside. And then I was able to, uh, unattached uh, emotionally, to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to just let them go. Because, they're, you know, if it's a student, you're like, hey, I can fix them, I can repair them, I can stitch them up and make them better, and you try to make it better. So let me quickly share with you, Joanne. I'm going to give you 20, uh, some real quick. So, so uh, this uh, this firm gave me uh, 20 of the most penetrating interview questions, and to this degree, um, you have to have a comfortable, stress-free interview. Um, uh, but there's a big opportunity in putting someone under some sort of stress. Um, because uh, a candidate who's under stress has a greater allegiance to, um, you know, to the truth. They, they tend to tell the truth more when they're stressed slightly, right? So um, uh, I think it's important um, to understand why we follow up on certain words and, and certain things that we say. But here's number one. I'm going to quickly – I'll read the first seven. Um, uh, what, I'll ask the person, what have you been criti- criticized for during the last four years? Um, and then people will answer you depending on what they think you want to hear. So people um, who are secure will tell you what they've been criticized for. If they're insecure, they'll come up with some fake, flim-flamish kind of story, right? Um, number two, do you agree or disagree with the criticisms that you that you are criticized for, that you are in question for? And um, this is a way for you to measure the inflexibility and the growth of the potential. Because if they say, nah, my boss was a total jerk, you know, like I couldn't stand him. Um, we know who they are and how they are. If they, say, if they say to you, like, well, maybe, you know, some of it was true and some of it was just unfounded. Um, the third question, where would you like to be in three or five years or five or ten years if you happen to be working for the, this company or another company? Um, does the individual have an answer? Do they have plans in their head? Why, you know, why would they even bother to get a job um, 
or why doesn't the individual know? Like, why do they not set goals, not care about their future? Are they just looking for a temporary job, you know, to get them through college or because they're going to be a doctor and they're going to be a lawyer, so you're just a temporary stop in their life? Um, the fourth question, <clears throat> how do you expect to get there? We're going to ask them, you know, in the five to ten year plan, how do you expect to get there? And someone who's in, is improvising won't know. But if someone has thought about it, they'll kind of have some sort of plan in action. Uh, when will you think you've arrived? Another question. And the person that you asked that question to about the last question um, is the person will qualify. Um, personal goals, social goals, professional goals, do you care, do you not care? Watch out for those people that say, I never will arrive, or um, they don't really understand. And, and there's multiple questions that go on, like, can you lie? This is a big question. People will answer you truthfully like it depends they'll say like it depends on what i'm lying about and then you say that's flawed that answer tells me that you're a cheater you're a liar right if they say most people will say they could but they wouldn't and then i would ask well when would you give me three examples of when you would lie you know that kind of thing um and then other things like what activities in this position or your position do you like most about or least about or in a previous job what was it you know, things like that. So these are some, we have, you know, I have 20 of these questions. I could share them with people. Um, but I think potentially you want to uncover through the questions their morality. Like I'd always ask, um, if we had a water cooler and you could get together with your employees during the day, other coworkers, would you sit at the water cooler and um, chat a little? You know, and uh, they'd say, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, my other job, I would, you know, have my coffee and we'd talk and we'd get acquainted and we'd warm up. Meanwhile, I'm thinking time theft, laziness, why are you not working when you should be, things like that. So it's very important for us to understand um, what the person's made of, like what's their DNA. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. So I love those questions. I, I might have to. I'll swipe and deploy some of those. I mean, I have okay, some that are that are very similar, but yeah, absolutely. Dude, there anything that I own or have is yours. You know that. So, like, you know, there. You know, um, here's one other question you may want to ask people too. Is uh, well, here's three quick questions that you you could ask. Is one, how would you describe yourself with adjectives? You know, and you ask why each adjective is uh, important to them. You know, like so. I'm a hard worker, you know, this or that, or they, you know, uh, you, and you ask them about that. The other thing, another question is, uh, describe how you feel about praise, um, because sometimes people cannot take positive praise. Um, like, my daughter's funny. We joke, like, I'll say, I love you. You're the best kid I've ever had in my life. as yeah, my only child. You know, um, but you're the best kid I've ever had. You're unbelievable. You know, she's like, I'm the only kid. And I'm like, well, see, all right, I want you to know, and I'll look her in the eyes, because I believe truthfully that if I died tomorrow, at least I've said my feelings. I know I'm getting a little weird spiritually, but but um, when I say that to her, she'll go, I'll go, I love you so much, and she'll say, love you. like, And I'm like, that's all I get out of that entire speech, I love you. Like, no emotion. So that um, we're working on that now. Like, I'm saying, like, you need to learn right. how to express yourself. People sometimes can't do that, and that's a bad trait, especially – when in this job, right? So oh, yeah. and, anyway, yeah. Yeah. I could go on and on and on, you know, like, you know, asking people their interests and what they do on downtime. Here's a big question. This one question I found to be a lie with most people. Um, 
I would say if I had a trade manual or a booklet that made you a better person about sales or how to deal with clients better or be a better customer service manager, and I gave you this book, would you read it on your own time? And I'd have people say, no, I wouldn't read it on my own time. I would just read it when I'm at work. I'm saying, so I'm going to pay you to come to work to train you to be a better employee. You wouldn't take any time on your own. No, I don't feel like, you know, after work that I should be doing things that have to do with the company. And I'd be like, wow, that's a big answer because I don't want someone who doesn't care to improve themselves and not going to make an effort to do that. Or if you could find a course, would you, I'll even pay for it. Would you take it on your own time? You know, that kind of thing, you know, Um, and people would say, no. And I'd be like, okay, I get it. Right. So it's interesting. I like that. Yeah. Cause, cause people don't, I just, you, you just jogged my memory. Uh, give me an idea. Um, where the question, and I don't know if this is the right question, but you'll get the gist of it is, you know, how do you feel about cutting conversations short? Right. Because when you're in that position, sometimes those people, you know, have not had an adult conversation all day. Some of those uh, stay-at-home parents, and then they think that because you're in that office that you can just have a conversation with them the whole time that their kid is in class, and you're not there conversational piece you're getting paid to get stuff done not you know be their buddy exactly and and i think the real question is knowing when to cut it off and by the way that's a trained skill that's hard you know like i mean i'll oh oh what was and i'll talk to people and show that i'm busy and they'll be like oh let me let you go let me you know like you got to have a way to do that because you're right parents have an hour to kill if they could, I had program managers that would literally sit there and talk about cats for an hour. I'm like, I'm not paying you, you know, uh, $9 an hour. But I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be rude. But they also, they know, they want to talk. They just want to sit and chat and they feel like, Hey, if I could get away with this as part of my job, I'm going to do it. Right. So I'm like, yeah, but you're not paying attention to your list of things to do. You can't blame it on the client wanting to talk. And it's a sort of skill, mastery skill on how to cut conversations short, politely, and still have a great conversation and build rapport. Here's another really well, interesting I learned, question. I, I learned this from uh, Stephen Oliver. This was his phrase. is uh, When somebody asks you, hey, do you got a minute or you got a second? You say no, but yeah. what do you need? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, that's the truth because they know that you're now taking the time for them, and then but you don't have time. You're taking it out of other time than you need it for other things. Here's a great, great question, too, to ask an interviewer is, like, if you were the boss – and you had to fire someone for bad attitude, what would you describe as their attitude being? Like, so, like, you find out, like, what they think is is an attitude that they shouldn't be acting like or that in the past they've seen people act that way, you know, and, and you try to find out through their own morality how they would work. Like, I remember having a classroom filled with teenagers, and I said, if someone stole paper you know, a, a paperclip from their job, and, um, you know, it costs like a penny for the paperclip. But you took 20 of them, 20 cents worth. Is that stealing? And people would say things like, no, not really. It's just 20 cents. You know, it's not a big deal. Like, and you start to gauge people's morality. Like, I had a program manager that quit working for me um, and uh, got a job with another company while interviewing, while being paid working for me, she was interviewing for during the day for many other companies on my time. Get this. She then gave me her week's notice 
or two weeks' notice, which was on a Friday, and she says, I, I'll be done on Saturday, tomorrow. One week's notice. This is my one week's notice. I'll be leaving tomorrow. And then I said, never mind. It's okay. You don't have to. Just, this is fine right now. Let's just close it up and be done with it. I went to my copy machine four hours later and found 400 pages in full color, which cost me about 20 cents, um, printed for her new job that she got hired for. Like, so this is the morality, and you wonder, like, the flaw. Like, once people have given up, they don't care. You know, so we want yeah, to try see, in the I, I almost would have been, I almost would have been uh, tempted to call that other company and say, hey, just so you know, right? this is how this other person got this job. Right, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. That, although, right. legally, legally, that's slander. Is it? You have to be real careful. Yeah, you can't even, like, okay. if someone called up, if, if someone said they used you as a reference and they were like, I had terrible employees that have used me as references and they said, Hey, would you rehire Joe Smith? Mm, I would never hire them. Well, can you give me any more details on that? Nope. Legally, I'm not allowed to. Well, were they good? Did they show up? Did, I can't say anything. You asked me, would I hire them? I'm telling you, no, that's the answer. You mm, could listen to it, okay. but you can't even say, no, they showed up late all the time or no, we had a discrepancy with financials. And by the way, one time I made that mistake and gave the guy insight. The guy's like, come on, share it with me. I'm another karate guy. You know, share me. You know. So I did. He went and told that person. And that person oh. contacted me and said, and said you, you know, that's illegal, what you did. So I always now, I just say, I'm sorry, I can't recommend them. That's all. Or I'll say, I, I, I elect to not say anything. You hire them if you want. I'm not. It's up to you. I have nothing to say. I don't want to deal with the legalities of it. But um, anyway, so uh, this is a good call. I mean, we could go on and on and on because there's so much more to do while interviewing people and the questions to ask and what they need and what people should be doing to hire and pay structures and so on. But uh, you have a lot of great – I can't wait. can't wait to see how your system works. I'm really excited to see how that process eliminates the riffraff and gets rid of the people who are not willing to jump through the hoops. Blue bird. Yeah. Pink Blue elephant. Bird, pink elephant. Record the recording. Call me on time, you know, and then yeah. obviously then we'll do a face-to-face -face interview. So that's you know three that's or awesome, four or five uh, hurdles they have to overcome before I even get I to love see it. them face to face. And, and you know what? Why bother wasting time ahead? Of, like if you could filter out the riffraff before it even gets to your plate, then you only see the people that have potential that that are there. That's a great process. Yeah, and, and look, um, part of this, I mean, not all of this is my idea, uh, and, and so I want to give credit where credit is due. This was probably 15 years ago. Um, I, I was on a, um, a, uh, a series with Joe Polish, um, and uh, he's, the, he's the guy from Genius Network and uh, yeah. um, also uh, Genius Coaching and that type of thing, but uh, mm -hmm. Piranha Marketing, and then also Alex Mandosian. He used to be the the the, 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 the teleseminar guru. Yeah, what was that called? I, I was a member of his group for like 10 years, and I used to use his teleseminar yeah. recordings. Oh, what was it called? Well, that's what, I, that's what we record the audio is because uh, him and Rick Raditz and also Armin Morin had a product yeah. called Instant Teleseminar. And that's I have Yeah, Instant Teleseminar. teleseminar. Yeah. yeah, me too. So that's what we're recording our audio on, but because uh, I paid a lifetime fee and just you know we have it. But anyways, uh, I learned the from Joe Polish is who I learned you know the the, the steps, and so I took 
the pink elephant idea with regards to the the email from him and of course i added in the bluebird and then some of these other things but uh the the concept was his concept so i want to give credit where credit is due because i didn't come up with the concept myself 